Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Jackman Radio during our anniversary uh, series of uh, 9-11 related podcasts. I'm very excited today to welcome uh, author, researcher, producer, filmmaker, and uh, you know, all-around fun guy, uh, Daniel Hopsicker. Um, he's done some incredible work on the 9-11 hijackers and their movements and their activities down in Florida, where they trained at uh, um, a flight school down there. And there's all kinds of shady stuff that happened, and we're going to get right into it. Uh, Daniel's work can be found at madcowprod.com, and his book, um, Muhammad Atta and the Venice Flying Circus, uh, Welcome to Terrorland, of course, uh, can be found on Amazon, hopefully. I think. <laughs> Anyways, Daniel, how you doing today? Doing as well as can be expected. Well as Excellent. can be expected. You know, well, when you when you called and wanted wanted to talk about nine eleven, it made me realize how long ago it was. It seems like yeah. a million, it seems like a million years ago. Um, what are you gonna do? But, I know it's. But I know new. I know new stuff. <laughs> Well, that, well, that's excellent. Yeah, that's we. I want to. I want definitely want to get into that, but I want to go in a little bit of the background because I really feel like your work is so important and integral in understanding um, who these guys were and what they were up to. And a lot of this information is just not something you ever really see um, as part of the quote-unquote official narrative on 9/11. Um, of course, there were some news stories out of Florida about what the hijackers were up to, but um, in essence, you went down there. What? Uh, within the month or maybe even a couple weeks after the 9-11 attacks and you were digging around into the flight schools uh well into huffman aviation specifically where um ringleader hijacker muhammad atta the pilot who crashed um flight 11 into the world trade center and marwan el shahi the other pilot who crashed 175 into the world trade center what, what did you turn up when you were down there and what got you into it wow that's 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 asking for more than I'm, than I have than either one of us have time for me to give you. Okay. Well, we can set the I, I, I was I was waiting for my first book, Barry and the Boys, to come out, which was about drug smuggler Barry Seal, America's first big kingpin. Nine eleven happened. My parents retired in in Venice, Florida, in the early eighties, and I spent I spent my working career out in Los Angeles, but I'd fly fly down to Venice often enough to still be, you know, considered a dutiful son. And um, I never saw anything untoward about Venice. Um, then 9-11 happens, and three days later it comes out that both of the flight schools at this tiny airport had been purchased recently by two separate Dutch nationals who claimed not to have known each other first. And the first thing I did was call um, a famous Southern lawman whose acquaintance I'd made while writing Barry and the Boys and asking him what he thought of that. And he, he said, that's one damn Dutch boy too many. He said, it's untidy. It's untidy. Okay? And it went on from there. Um, the biggest discovery, and it still kills me, that I could never break this as news, was that three weeks after Mohammed Adda and Marijuana Shahi arrived to attend for Huffman Aviation, a Learjet owned by the owner of Huffman Aviation was busted in Orlando with 43 pounds of heroin on board. Okay? Wow. Yeah, to think that, you know, think if you had that story, okay? And, and, and you, you couldn't 
It was taboo. It was absolutely taboo. If America had known that they were running drugs through the flight school, things might have been different. But when I got down here in Venice, Florida, it wasn't as if uh, the, the entire net, and this is what's important, it wasn't as if the entire national media, except for one reporter at the Cleveland Plain Dealer and maybe some guy out in Seattle, had decided to ignore Venice, Florida in the 9-11 story. In truth, Venice, Florida was the biggest September 11 crime scene that wasn't reduced to rubble, okay? And endless arguments over what made it rubble, okay? Exactly. So, can, can so, you swear on Jackman Radio? Yeah, sure. You can say whatever you want, man. Free speech. Cool. We're still we're still exercising it while we have it here in 2020. Um, so you talk about the uh, I think you said Dutch or Danish national who was running one of the flight schools. Two Dutch um, nationals. But but let me bring the story. Let me bring this story forward. Okay. Okay. People that work for the CIA don't have CIA parking stickers. In the, in the windows of your cars, right? So, so um, it makes it difficult, all right? But I can tell you unequivocally now something I, could, I would have never said before, and then I'll tell you why. Wally Hilliard was one in that school for the CIA. Wow. Or, or something that looks very much like it. For American clandestine services, all right? I've proved it since then. But then, so 43 pounds of heroin. See, this whole story, my friend, okay, to me, because it goes all, it goes all the way from Barry Seal to Donald Trump, okay, is the story of one organization, okay, not which cartel's up, which cartel's down, you know, how's all, all that hanging out? No, 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 no. No, the, these guys have continuity over time. This is, this is well, since Barry Seal, a 40-year-old out. And some of the same people are still involved, or up until recently, were still involved. Um, and that's how I figured out that Russiagate is not a hoax. Okay? In 30 words or less, I don't know if I can do it. Okay. So, Wally Hilliard loses, you know, 43 pounds of heroin, all right? Um, five years later, in 2006, a DC-9 from St. Petersburg, Florida, is busted in the Yucatan with 5.5 tons of cocaine on board, all right? The company that owned it used an address at Huffman Aviation, which is sloppy tradecraft, all right? And sloppy tradecraft is what is... is is how we can follow the breadcrumbs, okay? Sloppy trade, and, and it's not that I'm the smartest guy on the face of the earth. In fact, I asked a guy I knew who worked for 40 years at something like the NSA or the CIA, I said, how come I'm able to figure this stuff out? You know, I'm, 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 I'm a smart guy, but I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. How come? And he deflated me. He said, because they don't bother to hide it. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty brazen about a lot of it, aren't they? Well, I mean, was I able to break the story of 43 pounds of heroin in the flight school owner's Learjet? I mean, 
it's in documents. It's not like he said, she said, right? Yeah. No, this, this was, so this was July 25th of the year 2000, the That's same right. exact month that Muhammad Atta and Marwan El Shahi showed up at the flight school. And it's a, it's still a huge story. I mean, that like out of all the flight schools, these guys could have shown up at or been sent to or chosen. They choose these, these flight schools, the area that had a history of, of clandestine drug smuggling. That's a huge story. And it's still a huge story. And it's still important. And it continued. Okay. After 9-11, Wally Hilliard, you know, I mean, continued doing shady things. Well, like, I mean, these people are constructs. Okay. Wally Hilliard was a successful insurance executive from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. Retired at the age of 65 to, to Florida. And one year later, owned between 30 and 40 luxury jets. My dad, when he retired to Florida, couldn't wait to get some canary yellow pants to play golf in. All right? <laughs> and this guy's owning 40 jets. Wasn't he friends with uh, uh, the Bushes and the Clintons? He had yes. connections to, to both of them. Well, well and, and now, we get, now we get to the next link in this story. So... Um, <clears throat> Drug trafficking is my thing because I think it's it's um, the tail that wags the dog. I think it's the most important subject in the world and also the most taboo. Okay, um, it's just not discussed. Where does the money go? Okay, that's what you know, funds these operations. Yeah, it's not like CIA can go to the Congress and say, "Hey, we need uh, ten million to assassinate someone." Worldwide, um, half of the proceeds of, um, of of organized crime, transnational organized crime, come from drugs. Right, so you put extortion, um, um, human trafficking, um, tapping into pipelines, you know, prostitutes on one end, and then you put drugs on the other, and they make as much money from drugs as they do from everything else they do. That's a fact. I mean, how bizarre! How, how you know? So, five years later, in 2006, a DC 9 from St. Petersburg with 5.5 tons of cocaine on board is busted in, in the Yucatan, okay? And when I look at the owners, the owners of the plane, they're tied in with, with, with Adnan Khashoggi, okay? In 2004, Wally Hill, in 2000, this, this, this whole thing is funny, okay? Um, in 2004, Adnan Khashoggi was in a battle with another another semi you know um powerful person um to control casino rights in a tiny backward um island the bahamas backside of the bahamas okay the island has just put in a new five thousand foot runway so twin engine planes can now fly in and out and they've got a casino on the island and Adnan Khashoggi is trying, to, is trying to get control of it. And Hilliard is sending planes, Learjets, one Learjet back and forth to um, on this island, Rum, Rum Key, it's called, to Rum Key in the Bahamas in support of Khashoggi's play. So you're with me so far. So yes. five and a half tons of cocaine gets busted and it's Khashoggi related. Okay, it's Khashoggi related. Now, Khashoggi was listed the, uh, as one of the top drug, drug traffickers in Colombia 
by the Defense Intelligence Agency in 91, but nobody makes a big deal out of it, okay, so he smuggles drugs, you know. But but there he is, okay, and he's tied to Wally Hilliard, okay, and anybody tied to Wally Hilliard is working for the CIA, because that's what Khashoggi is. He's a CIA fixer, okay, he's an important person, personage, 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 okay, he was, he was around when they set up the Safari Club. And the Safari Club is like a big key to understanding um, how the world has been put together since the 70s. So, um, I never said it in my book, Wally Hilliard was working with the CIA. In fact, there were, there were hundreds of Arabs being trained to fly. Um, for what, whatever reason, okay? We've never gotten to ask the agency that was bringing in Arabs, you know, by the dozen to Southwest Florida flight schools, what was the point of that? Why did you do that? You know, I mean, there had been, uh, the CIA had complained that he'd been un unable to penetrate Osama bin Laden, okay? I, I remember reading that, okay? I don't know if it's true. You know, what do I know, okay? They don't talk to me. <laughs> So the, another uh, one of the Dutch nationals, uh, Rudy Deckers, that we touched on earlier, he was the front man for Hoffman Aviation. He personally uh, knew Mohammed Atta and Marwan El Shahi. Um, he said that he, you know, he thought they were not nice guys, but he never suspected anything. This guy later actually gets arrested in December of 2012, uh, getting busted transporting uh, coke and heroin by an undercover agent. So. Talk a little bit about Rudy Deckers and his explanation of uh, the two hijacker pilots' movements down there, as well as him being the star witness for uh, the investigation. When I first got down here, um, I was asking around about about Rudy Deckers, and I called a guy that didn't like me that that had had worked national security for Ronald Reagan, right? And he had read Barry and the Boys, okay, my, and, and he didn't he didn't much care for the for, for, you know, the, the, the picture I painted. But I called him, because after 9-11, we're all, we're all on the same team, and I asked him, um, what, what is up, Rudy? You know, what, what? And, you know, he, get, he got a little cryptic, because that's what they tend to do. Um, but what he said was, um, when you're greedy, you can be used for something. So he was a criminal in Holland before he came here, okay? Um, he was wanted in Holland. Um, a, a person of, of, of you know, a sleazeball, and, you know, um, another scheme that runs through here is um, sexual abuse of, um, um, you know, young, youngish girls, okay? Um, it goes all the way up to Andy Badalato, okay? And, and really what I want to talk to you about is how from Venice, you know, Venice is... 20, 20 minutes south of Sarasota, okay? Uh, almost close enough to be, the, you know, a contiguous metro, um, except, except there's like tons of mangrove swamps in between, okay? Um, and they've been running ops out of here that have affected the life of every American um, since before the Bay of Pigs, okay? Since before, I mean, I got the clips, pal. Okay. 60 plus years. Oh, yep. 
So and you know all that, and you you know you know that because because yeah. you and you and your brother um, are part of like some some small group um, that pays attention to things like this. For some reason. <laughs> For some, yeah. Hey, you know what, man? In 2020, I feel like people, a lot of people are ready to look at this shit for the first time because they've seen what's gone down with Epstein. Um, they've seen the corruption that's now naked, um, you know, the last several years. And there, I think a lot of people are finally willing to address this stuff. So for people who have been paying attention, um, it's it's good to continue talking about it. So, uh, yeah, but you're right, man. I mean, it, it you know, We're international drug trade, man, it's, it's a... Multi-billion dollar ongoing thing, whether it's Iran-Contra, whether it's, you know, post-World War II, um, you're talking about, you know, Bay of Ki uh, Pigs, Cuba, flying, Mexico. Flying tigers learn to fly in Venice. The flying tigers. I mean, the first instance, okay, of official complicity in drug trafficking in the United States was when General Claire, General Claire Chennault, okay, um, and his flying tigers went into business flying opium. For for the nationalist Chinese, you know, um, who were trying to just, you know, well, let's face it, they were just trying to get rid of the commies. <laughs> so and, and probably that was the case. And I'm just going to finish this with a little anecdote. Probably that was the case because I asked um, somebody who I knew spent forty years, um, what what was up, how that all happened, and he said um, through the seventies. Drugs were something you used to get something else. If you had an informant um, in Turkey that, that that was like real hot, you know, knew knew you know what what NATO needed to know. But he smuggled drugs into Europe a little bit. You might tend to overlook it. He said, but then in the eighties, he said drugs became the tail that wagged the dog. Now you were probably too young then, but I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was born in 1986, so yeah, I, the only, the first thing I remember is my sister's birth in 1989 from, from that era, so. Good for you, good for you, well, <laughs> and you know, which is, which is why it's so important that this knowledge lives on through you, okay? Yeah, I think because so. old guys like me won't be around forever. Yeah, well, it, it's sad a lot of this information is being memory hold, and it is you know, they're, they're, they do their best, whether it's with the algorithms or disinfo or poisoning the well to try and uh, obfuscate this information, you know, um, just like when uh, Jeb Bush tried to fly off with the flight school records and we, we bagged him there a few years ago, didn't we? Here's another another new piece of information, um, you know, since we talked way back when, since I wrote Welcome to Terrorland, um, the, the, the records never got never got to the FBI, for, according to the pilot. I know the pilot. Nice guy. And, and according to him, the records never got to the FBI. Wow. And, and isn't that amazing? Isn't that, that we live in that kind of world? Isn't that amazing? It's something. It's something. It's, uh, you know, they got there pretty quick with those rider trucks and the, the C-130 and... Uh, and you not only know the pilot and you talked to him, and I think he was probably a CIA pilot or a former CIA pilot, yes, but you also, yes. you also spoke with the local police fellow there, the sergeant down there, Mike Trainer, who has since passed away. Um, you know, and you say that he really struck you as just an honest guy who, who maybe didn't even realize the ramifications of what he witnessed. Well, he was pissed off. He was like, you know, like he was a regular American. 
when he realized some shit was had been going on through Venice that had something to do with you know what we all saw a few days earlier, which is people hanging out of windows, right? He was pissed. It's infuriating. And, and, I, and I asked, well, I'm, you, know, you know all this, and I asked him uh, about Rudy Decker's priors, and he looked so pained, you know. And he said, I'd love to tell you about Rudy Decker's priors, but they came in here yesterday. The FBI came in here yesterday and packed up all our files. Um, they didn't leave us copies. Packed up all our files, put them in rider rent trucks, which were then driven right onto a C-130 in Sarasota, which took off with Jeb Bush aboard. Okay. So did he did he see Jeb on the plane, or he was just told that he was on there, or was that just how, how did he know Jeb was on that plane? Do you know? I can know right now. Uh, um, well, um, he would have been intimately interested in where the police records from Venice, Florida went, right? Considering you know, his, his brother was president at the time, too. The, the, you know, they could be, you know, they're, they're, you know they, they pull someone over, you know, and, and um, they try to run him, and, and he's not there. Yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, they, I, you know, I don't know who told him, um, but, I, but I know somebody, somebody um, did, because when he eventually took me in to meet the uh, chief of police, First thing the chief of police did was way put his hands in the air like this. He said, don't blame us. We didn't have anything to do with what went on at the airport. That was all federal. He said, the Venice airport, he said, has always been the kind of place where everything's very quiet, very quiet, very quiet. And then at three in the morning, a blackout helicopter swoops in, lands, and takes off again 30 seconds later. That's spooky. That's some spooky stuff, man. And uh, another story that you broke, uh, this might have been maybe 2008 or maybe earlier, but one that I really always enjoyed and, and, and uh, it's an interesting 9-11 kind of re- related area was the uh, Boeing 727 that John McCain used several times during the 2000 election was the same plane that actually flew Saudi royals out of the country just after 9-11. There are a number, and there's a chapter in my new book, okay, Gangster Planet. You like the title? Gangster. Yeah, there's perfect. A chap- there's a chapter in Gangster Planet called How to Spot a CIA Tell, okay? Um, if you sit down to play, you play poker, you probably, you know, you watch somebody, they got little, little ticks, then you can tell if they've got a good hand or not. Well, I mean, the CIA isn't stupid, but, but they are sloppy. And, and they do a number of things, which if, if, if you know about them beforehand, you can spot instantly. You go, well, that's those guys, okay? Um, so, and they never sell planes. So the 727, um, the, 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 the DC-9, I got busted with five and a half tons of cocaine. Oh, the uh, one year later, 18 months later, the second shoe dropped, okay? A second plane from St. Petersburg, this one of Gulfstream 2, also got busted in the Yucatan. Crashed, actually, with a little over four tons of cocaine, all right? The owners of the DC-9 and, and the Gulfstream intertwined over the past, like, 20, 30 years. And you could see guys that you knew, shady guys, Kirk Kerkorian, you know? Guys that own casinos, okay? Um, 
and it, it 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 leads all the way up to the present okay because in sarasota this is the other major operation this is this this in sarasota they were running drug trafficking and also finan major financial fraud alt-right financial fraud steve bannon's top lieutenant okay and we're talking about you know not not a company going bust every two or three years we're talking about dozens of companies they would run the same scheme with the same pitch to investors two or three times in industrial operations and the person unfortunately the guy who knew all about what was going on he's dead now his name is christopher Bach, christopher byron and he was a, uh, a financial reporter, business reporter. He got the goods on Martha Stewart, who 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 is involved. Okay, um, Martha Stewart. All right. Do you know how she got rich? I'm going to tell you, and then then we're going to get off. Martha Stewart got rich in 1972, pushing the bogus shares, bogus shares, not bogus. They were they of of. of a company called Levitz Furniture, which if you grew up in the 50s in America, you had heard their You'll Love It at Levitz jingle a million times. All right. So Martha Stewart's pitching this company that's about to go bankrupt. It's being busted out. Okay. Um, and the son of the owner of the company, okay, Gary Levitz, is down in Florida smuggling drugs with Barry Seal. Well, it goes on from there. I mean, I, I don't want to bend your, you know, um, for for three hours here, but there is there is a a, a bloodline, a blood a bloodline. Right. It's 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 generational. I mean, it's it's the the, 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 the various of the screaming skulls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Barry Seal ended up. Uh, they really kind of cut him to the wind there, and after um, you know he got busted, and then when he was killed in '86, they had him staying at a Salvation Army. He wasn't allowed to have any weapons, and he had no protection, right? So they they basically set him up for the Medellin cartel to kill him, pretty much. Actually, they set him up. But the, um, um, he he wasn't killed on orders of the Medellin cartel. He was killed on orders, and this is according to Barry Seal's attorney, um, on on orders of then Vice President. Um, George Herbert Walker Bush, okay, um, in an operation that was overseen while the Colombians were in the U.S. by Oliver North. Now this is now he also had didn't he have his personal phone number on, in his trunk or on his person when he was gunned down, Barry Seal? He had a lot more than that. Okay, <laughs> you know, it, look, let me give you some advice. Okay, if you ever ever come across something that is absolute like solid gold blackmail material. You know, if you've got it, all right, um, what the, the, the governor of um, Louisiana used to say that he could be gov governor forever unless he got caught with a, a, a dead boy or a live girl, or maybe the other way around, a, a dead girl or a live boy, I, I forget. Um, but if you if you have evidence proving beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, that that one of the people that runs the country um, is not who not who we think he is and you have it in the trunk of your car. And you think it's going to protect you? Think again. Think yeah. Again. 
he had he had bombs very seal okay and I get, there, there is a part of me um that has um that respects him for going up against George Herbert Walker Bush okay I mean he had some like really yeah that guy was a straight-up gangster, man. I just want—I want the audience to know George Herbert Walker Bush wasn't this behind that nice facade of that nice, gentle, soft-spoken, thousand points of light bullshit. The guy was a straight-up fucking gangster. Sorry, continue. It's all right. It's all right. Did you know that there was a bigger drug trafficker than Barry Seal before Barry Seal? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> was but, it but, W? No, was it Herbert Walker? No, no. But because. Because I'm interested in the alt-right schemes that were running, you know, Bannon and Badalato through Sarasota, um, I discovered that there had been a major, I mean, you know, I, this is not, not a, I, I, I fell into, into following drug trafficking, you know, um, not by mistake, but, you know, I could have, I could have chosen, you know, a more edifying business to follow right it's dark man but but it's all the rage now man every show on netflix and amazon it's uh, all, it's all it, and it's all bullshit i, I know watch that american made movie that movie sucked i i i could tell you stories about that the guy you know and see this is the thing they don't even bother to hide it the guy that made the movie Doug Lemon. He, he made some decent science fiction movies, okay? He's an asshole. Everything how Hollywood knows he's an asshole, okay? But you know, I mean, you could you could go look on crew websites where where people people would say, you know, unequivocally, this guy's an asshole. You know, I'll never work with him again. You know, and that's not a good thing to do if you wanna if you wanna, you know. Um his dad was the Democratic Majority Council for the Kerry Committee, looking into contra cocaine in the eighties. Can you believe that? I mean, yeah, I can't. <laughs> and 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 he was and he was having this fellow um on um, something of a homosexual affair with Tom Cruise um while while they were fixing to make the movie, and and the two of them were just spinning stories to each other as if. They knew more than reality, as if they could, you know, craft, I mean, a better story than, than reality. And, and it was, it, the movie was a joke. It was, it was. You better watch out, Daniel. Now you're going to have the Church of Scientology after you, even more scarier than Al-Qaeda, perhaps. Oh, nobody cares that people know that Tom Cruise is gay or, or make perhaps bisexual. I, I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't. I, no, 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 it doesn't you know, matter. It, what, what bothered me was these two guys thought they could improve upon reality. They didn't make a story about Barry. They used Barry Seal's name. They didn't make a story about Barry Seal. They made, made a story about some bullshit. You know, they they uh, uh, they put together some some night in a uh, penthouse in Manhattan. Didn't they reach out to you initially or ask for you, you to advise or someone from the production did? I talked to him for a couple hours, you know. Um, it was sleazy. I mean, Barry Seal, someone deserves to make a good movie about Barry Seal someday, right? I mean, it's out there. Um, but perhaps it's one of those things that just won't happen in our time. What do you think? 
I don't know. I mean, they, they didn't mention the photograph of him with David Ferry and Oswald, you know. <laughs> they, there's so much they didn't mention. I mean, they had Dude. Tom Cruise playing him. They should have had friggin' Dude, somebody it, a little bit more portly. <laughs> Last, you know? I'm going to tell you one more anecdote. And, and then we're, and then it's, and then it's time to, time to say goodbye. All right. Yeah, we can bring it back to nine eleven after this anecdote, if that's cool. All right. On my way to Louisiana, where I was to spend the next two years writing a book about Barry Seal, I stopped at the pleasant house in Santa Fe of um, Dr. Roger Morris and Sally Denton. Sally Denton had written The Bluegrass Conspiracy, and she and Dr. Roger Morris had, had written the best book about the Clintons, which was Partners in Power. So I'm sitting there sipping iced tea with these guys. I mean, they're both excellent writers, and, you know, he was on Richard Nixon's National Security Council. Wow. And he looks at me, and he says, what have you heard? about Barry Seal having flown a getaway plane out of Dallas. You know, I said, Dr. Morris, I didn't know there was a getaway plane out of Dallas. You know, later I talked to a CIA CIA pilot and told him the story about getaway plane. He said, shit. He said, they didn't need a 747 to get them all out. (laughs) Yeah, I have heard that. That's crazy. There's so, so I think there's so many stories and I think a lot of it, is out there in the public domain, um, or it's at least, you know, furnished, you know, orally through people and generations. And maybe it's not, of course, it's not going to be on the official story, but bringing it back to nine 11 here, as we close 19 okay. years later, Daniel, what, what do you think? Where, where are we with nine 11? Do you think there'll ever be any kind of accountability or any kind of I mean, what's going to, you know, what do you think will ultimately happen? If I was to come to you, and tell you that I knew where you could find a lost civilization, okay? And and then I was to offer you like a tour, like an eight hour tour, like on a cruise, right? Of that lost civilization, um, you know, and then for whatever donation you wanted to pass along, I'd probably make a lot of money. Well, the lost civilization is yours. It's ours. We live in a lost civilization, all right? There are crucial matters that we're not allowed to discuss, all right? The major banks almost went out of business 10 years ago with the Great Recession. And what was up with that, you know? Um, And if it wasn't for drug money, they would have. So... What do you do when you can't even talk about what's going on in your own society? It's we're a lost civilization. Yeah, but, that, but you know we got football. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, it's not back yet, right? That's <laughs> and, uh, well, I'm 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 dying for like an NFL game, and I, and I know it's wrong. It's it's bad of me. Okay, it's wrong of me. But oh, I get um, it. 
I like hockey. Hey, man, you, you can't talk about this shit all the time, man. You know, I, someone was saying to me recently, man, you know, you still, um, we're still alive. We still have a lot of life and we need to enjoy sure. life as much oh. as we can while acknowledging all the serious shit that happens. But it is in our name. It's funded by our tax dollars. Um, it is outrageous. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate all the work you've done over the years, Daniel. It's, it's, it's courageous and you do it with humor. And, and uh, um, all we can do is mock them, right? You know, it's not like we can call them to account, you know, um, or make a citizen. We can mock them. We can mock them. Hey, good to talk to you guys. I'm, 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 I'm happy we're still in touch. Um, you're a couple too, of great man. guys, you know, and, and, and God bless you. Thank you, Daniel. You know, I appreciate it. And your stuff on Facebook, okay? People rag on Facebook all the time, and I can see why. But, you know, you have friends. Yeah, they're friends. Um, I've seen, like... Uh, but you're from a small town, right? You kind of got a small town thing going on, and which is great. I'm 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 glad there's still some of that, still some of that out there in America. Pleasure to talk to you, my friend. You too, Daniel. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Daniel Hopsaker. Um, he is at madcowprod.com. He's the author of Muhammad Atta, uh, excuse me, Welcome to Terrorland, Muhammad Atta and the Venice Flying Circus, um, as well as uh, what was it? What's the new book called, Daniel? The new book is called Gangster Planet. Gangster Planet and the legendary book Barry and the Boys, all about Barry Seal and CIA drug trafficking. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us and uh, take care. You too.